help if I turn it on. Amen, amen. I'm a loud Puerto Rican, but I'm not that loud. Amen. I'm excited to be in the house of the Lord. I know some of you know my better half, my my firecracker on the 4th of July, as he likes to say to me, I actually get to say it back to him today. Uh, my husband, Kendon Alexander, um, we have been in ministry and married almost 20 years this uh, this coming year, so I, he's going to come up. I think we said it's been a minute since you've seen him. So as you see, my kids and I have graded him a little bit more since last time, but this is my silver fox. Come on. <laughs> Hallelujah. How many glad to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Come on, you can do better than that. How many glad to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Come on, you ought to put your hands together and give God a great hand clap of praise. Because he's been faithful. We sang the song, he's good in the morning, he's good in the evening, he's good in the afternoon, he's good in the late and midnight hour, he's good in 2020, he's good in 2019, he's going to be good in 2021. Nothing's going to stop us. Jesus told Pharaoh, go tell that fox, I'll preach the gospel today, tomorrow, and my work will not be stopped. I'm here to let you know that it might have been crazy in 2020. But I'm here to let you know that his kingdom is still advancing. I, I, listen, I'm here to let you know his kingdom is still advancing. And I know we have a lot happening, a lot going on this year. And we I tell our folks all the time, and I've been saying it from the get-go, is that there's nowhere in the Bible that he says that we battle our friends. There's nowhere in the Bible that he says that we should, ought to battle politically. There's nowhere in the Bible that we ought to battle this and battle on Facebook and battle that. He says we battle against what? Principalities and powers in high places. We are in a battle this year. Many of you know we're in a battle, but the kingdom of God is advancing. And I'm here to let you know that we live in just the northernmost part of West Virginia, we are like five minutes from Ohio. You can put one foot in Ohio, and we are about 30 minutes from downtown Pittsburgh. So we have three states. We are the only state that is surrounded within that close of three states. And I'm here to let you know that the church is going strong. Don't think that, don't think the enemy could shut us down. Come on. We tell folks all the time, listen, if they didn't shut Walmart down, if they didn't shut the hospitals down, if they ain't shutting the liquor stores down, that's what we told them. They had the liquor stores all packed in our region. The liquor store all on top of each other. Rose, rose all the way down the city. I said, if they ain't shut down the liquor store, we ain't shutting down. Y'all better get in tight because we're going to talk about the liquor
Hallelujah. Let's pray before we get seated. Heavenly Father, we just thank you that your presence is here and that you hover over this place. We ask that you be like the days of Moses and we don't depart and we don't move ahead of you, Father God. But as long as your spirit's hovering here, we will stay in your presence. For in your presence is fullness of joy. And we ask that you move through me this morning, that I decrease and you increase. And it be about you, for you are the legacy this morning. In Jesus' name we pray and everybody says, Amen, Amen. Oh, I'm excited to be here this morning. This is my first time here. Um, Kenan first met you guys when he evangelized. He was There was a season he was traveling. My boys, our boys were little, I think three and one at that time. And, and he would he would leave and come. And as soon as he walked through the door, I'd throw him the babies and go get a pedicure because I was ready to pull my hair out. But now we have teenagers. And, and let me tell you, for you mamas of you, you toddlers, teenagers is harder. You are going to miss the potty training days. <laughs> our oldest is learning how to drive and I've never been so sick to my stomach in my life and we battle who's going to take them you take I'm like I potty trained them you get to teach them how to drive <laughs> so it's been a season so our boys are home with my husband's uh, mom my mother-in-law my mother-in-love I like to call her I'm very blessed with my mother-in-law um, so this morning our, your, your, your weekend is about legacy and I, I, I'm on the side I'm a teacher that's what I am on the side. We'll say that. I'm a, I'm a, I teach sixth grade, uh, middle school. It's been a very interesting. Any teachers here today? Been an interesting year, has it not? <laughs> um, so I, I wanted to look up legacy. I wanted to see. I like to look up the etymology of words. And um, that word means the originally, originally the body of persons sent on a mission. It was Latin for ambassador or an envoy. So when you are, your legacy, now we look at legacy as what you leave behind, what is left behind, what you, what you leave. But it first has to start with you going and being an ambassador and going out and, and being a body who is sent on a mission. You and I have been sent on a mission. And we cannot leave a legacy. We cannot leave this legacy in first unless we go. And two, unless I'm going to focus on another word today. And I'm going to wrap it all in, I promise. Now, in 2019, the biggest killers um, in America were heart disease. 17 million people died of heart disease. Over 8 million people died of cancer and three million of diabetes. But no massive change in our everyday life, despite those numbers. No mass push for the media for all of us to go inside, to shut off our, our, our lives, close our lives up, mask up, none of that. We didn't have to stop eating our bonbons and our fried pickles. Our lives didn't change. They didn't come out and say, you had to ex it's a mandate, you have to exercise more. I would have cried rivers of tears if they would have said, you now have to exercise more. They didn't come and tell us, you know, to, to, that we had to um, get rid of all of our chemically infused food. They have, the FDA has not stopped selling us over chemical food here in America, all right? Because there's one too much money in it. But we, our lives kept going simply because of this. The word contagious. Those things aren't contagious. There are decisions that impact just us. So because those are decisions only impact us and they aren't contagious, our lives were never changed because over 20 million people died. But now we are dealing with this word contagious. 
And it means to spread from one person to another or an organism to another by direct or indirect contact. And I imagine in this season the enemy has been leaping with joy. He has been reveling in the fear that this contagion has put in people. He has been, he has been elated that, that, that panic has invoked in our society. The discord and the distrust and the judgment it has spread through our society systematically and synonymously with the disease. They have come hand in hand. But I wonder if today we can flip the script. I wonder if today we can flip the script on the enemy because I serve a God who loves to flip the script. If you don't believe me, ask David. David was an outlaw who became a king. If you don't believe me, ask Joseph. Joseph went from a pit to a palace. If you don't believe me, ask Esther. Esther was a shy orphan who became an outrageous bold queen. My God is a God who loves to flip the script. And the enemy came to invoke fear. And he came to invoke judgment. He came to invoke discord among the church and among the world. And it's even worse than it's happening in the church because what God is doing in this season is revealing his true bride. Because he is coming to flip the script. God thrives in taking what the enemy meant for evil and turning it for his good. For his glory, for his kingdom, for his legacy. Lazarus, my husband preached a message in the middle of this pandemic that just just spoke to me. I love it when my husband preaches to me. I love it that I'm married to the priest of my house and that he is my pastor. He preached on something called the Lazarus Effect. And he talked about how that we, the church, I hope I'm not stealing your message tomorrow. I'm good? All right, good. So we talked about this Lazarus effect and how, how Lazarus was dead and that a church has been dead for a long time. But then this season, we are not to stay that way. We are not to stay ineffective and that we are coming out to be contagious. We are coming out of this season to be effective. We are coming out of this season with the power of the, the word of God that has we've been locked up. And that was one of the, the, the highlights of it. The families meeting together. People coming back and reading the word of God together. People taking communion in their homes because they couldn't do it in church. We went back to the old way of thinking the churches were birthed in homes. And we came back to that, but it's not to stay there. I think it was a refreshing. I think it was a wake-up call. He's saying, no, I'm sending you back out because I need you to go back out. So what does a contagious faith look like? I'm going to read to you from 1 Thessalonians. I'm, I'm with you, Pastor Leah. I'm all about a Bible. I love it. Mine, this one got left out in the rain. And I'm okay with that because now it makes even more noise. I love that a Bible makes some noise. Amen. And I don't feel like I could beat the devil with my phone, but I sure feel like I could beat him with this thing. I feel like I could really do some damage. So if you have your word, we're going to look at 1 Thessalonians 1, 6 through 9. Amen. Amen. All right. Hallelujah. I'm going to get there. My eyesight's gone bad in my ears. <laughs> so you receive the message with joy from the Holy Spirit in, this, in spite of severe suffering. Can we all agree we've been in some severe suffering? It brought you. In this way, you, in, you in imitated both us and the Lord. As a result, you have become an example to all the believers in Greece throughout both Macedonia and Achaia. 
And now the word of the Lord is ringing out from you to the people everywhere, even beyond Macedonia and Achaia. Forever we go, we find people telling us about your faith in God. We don't need to tell them about it, for they keep talking about the wonderful welcome you gave us and how you turned from the idols to serve the living and true God. Amen. When Paul wrote this, he wrote to the, he was writing to the church of Thessalonica. And Thessalonica was positioned along the Aegean Sea. Um, it had about 200,000 people who lived in this, uh, this metropolis at that time. It was an economic hub before it was where it was positioned along the Mediterranean, the Aegean Sea. It was strategically planned by God to, to go after this city. God is going after your city. In a matter of fact, this, this society was not a godless society. They actually had 25 gods that they worshipped in this little town, this little city, I guess you would say. But when a group of them got a hold of truth, when a core group, a little army of believers got a hold of truth, they changed their city, they changed their area, they became contagious. They were filled with the truth. I don't know about you, but I want to be contagious. I want to be about the Thessalonica church. So let's talk a minute. First of all, they were, they had a contagious example. In 1 Thessalonians 1.7, it says, And so you became a model or an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. That word, example is a Latin word tupos, and it means a mark. It's where we get the, the old-fashioned phrase typewriter, that when a typewriter would hit, it would leave a mark. That's how we got that word. But it was also the same word that Thomas said to Jesus, let me see the mark. Let me see where they, the, where the, they marked you. Let me see where that, that, that nail hit your, your skin. Let me see that. It was an, a, a mark as a result of a blow or pressure. It also references the mark of a seal. In historical times when a letter was sent from a king or somebody of royal position or high position, they would seal the letter. They would pour the wax and they would seal it. It was marked with a seal. You and I have been marked with a seal. You and I have been sealed till the day of redemption. 2 Corinthians 1.21 says this. Set, he set his seal of ownership on you, on us, and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. So he filled you with the Holy Spirit, and then he sealed you. You are sealed. You are marked. You have been, there is a blow of God that has been, the pressure of God has been placed upon you, and you have been marked. You have been two posts. Ephesians 4.30 says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, and slander along with every form of malice. You and I have been marked. I, I, like I told you, I teach sixth grade, and last year I read a book with my sixth graders. I'm very passionate about digging wells, and every year at my school we raise money to dig wells in Africa because it frees young girls to go to school and it, it changes the community. We know biblically that water changes us. 
There's something about clean water that changed. I don't know about you, but there was something about when I took a hold of some clean water that changed me. So I, I made my, my group, a group of kids, read this book called A Long Rock to Water, and it was an amazing book, and their eyes were open. We're so spoiled here in America. And these little kids had no idea what it was like, and it was about the lost boys of Sudan. And as we were reading it, there was two tribes, the newer tribe and the... Dinka tribe, and they, they were talking about marks, so the kids said, Miss Alexander, what do they mean by marks? So I said, Let me, I want you to see, I want you to see what they're talking about. So we pulled up the images, and these the tribes, you could tell what tribe they were in, because they had these tribal marks all over their face. Let me tell you, the enemy should see your mark. The enemy should know what tribe you're in. The enemy should know when he looks at you, that you're not a part of a Dinka tribe, you're not a part of a newer tribe, you are a part of the tribe of Judah. You are a part of a tribe that will reign for eternity. You are part of a tribe that will make a difference and impact this world. You are part of a tribe that is connected to the kingdom of God. You have been marked. You are marked in the spirit. The world can't see it. But you are marked. You are marked. You are marked. But let me tell you this. We can be marked, but we won't leave a mark. We won't leave a legacy until we do what they did in verse 6. You can be saved and have a mark and not leave a mark unless you are an imitator. Verse 6 says, you, you became imitators of us and the Lord. Ephesians 5.1 says, imitators of God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his, dear children, live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice of, uh, for us, a cleansing aroma to God. Let there be, come on, no sexual immorality, impurity, greed among you. Such sins have no place among God's people. You and I should be leaving a mark wherever we go. And our mark is our example. Are you leaving an example of Christ? The, the moon does not shine its own light. It gets its light from the sun. So I'm going to ask you, are you mooning the world this morning? Are you mooning the world? Are you shining the light? Are you reflecting the light of Jesus this morning? Are you being imitators of him? Are you imitating his light? You see, before there was ever a written epistle to read, there was a living epistle. You and I are called to be living epistles. You and I will sometimes be the only Bible people ever get a chance to read. I work in a place that is filled with a, with a lot of liberals. And one of them, I mean, I love them all, but one I've got, I've worked with her for probably seven years. I love this girl. She's my girl. Her and I could not think more differently. But she left me a little card on mine. I might get a little teary out here. She left me a little, I love my Starbucks. I did look up to see if you had a Starbucks here. That's all right. I got McDonald's. <laughs> she left me a little note, a little Starbucks gift card. And she said, on the, let me, I'm going to need you to understand this girl's never walked in church a day in her life. She's pretty much atheist. She said, I heard it was pastor appreciation. You're the only pastor in my life. And I want to give you this card. I love you. Because I'm a living epistle in that place. I might not come out like a religious fruitcake. But I love her. 
I, I show her love to Jesus. I, I, when she asks me something, I give her truth. I pray constantly, Holy Spirit, let me speak in such a way she can receive it because she has been damaged by religion. It was the church that got her where she is. And I'm not even going to get there, but that we are the living epistle. Francis Assisi says, always preach the gospel. When necessary, use words. He's saying, live a life that leaves a mark. Live a life that leaves a mark. Is your life and your you the way you are living out this faith, the way you are living out this word? And some of you might need to go back and check your Facebook status. Some of you might need to check your political arguments on as Pastor said. We are here to win them to the kingdom of God, God, not to a political party. We're here to win people to Jesus Christ, not to a not to Trump and not to Biden. We are here to win them to Jesus. We are here to leave a mark that will last, because I hate to tell you, in four years we'll be voting again. But I know that my God will always reign. I know that he will always be on the throne. So I want to leave his mark. I don't want to leave a mark of a donkey, and I don't want to leave a mark of an elephant. I want to leave a mark of a cross on somebody's life this morning are you leaving a mark are people going to look at your example and see someone imitating God or someone imitating the world your Facebook status is a mark people your social media imprint is a mark that you are leaving for the world to see who are you promoting Jesus or you whose mark whose legacy are you leaving I want to leave a mark. The next thing this church was and taught me is to have a contagious ex- um, message. First Thessalonians 1.8 said, The word of God rang out for you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia. Your faith in God became known everywhere. Now that word, word of God, the word of the Lord means this, the power, the provision, the purpose, and the promises of God. When they refer to that word, it is the power, the provision, the purpose, and the promises of God. That word should be in you. That is your message. The power, the provision, the purpose, the promises of God. The power that signs and wonders will follow those who believe in the last days. I don't know about you, but I want to have a shadow experience. I want my shadow when I walk through my halls and my schools to follow my students. I might teach them history from my mouth, but may my shadow hit them and heal those who are struggling with disease and, and minister to those who need ministering to. I want to walk in signs and wonders because his word promised me that I should have power. My mama used to say, resurrecting power. She still says it. Provision. Not just financially. We're all caught up on the finances. I don't need more money in my bank. I need emotional provision. I need spiritual provision. I need provision in my relationship with my husband. I need provision in my relationship with my children. I need provision in my workplace. I need that kind of provision. Money will fail. It will rot. It will decay. It will go away. I need provision that is going to last. His word is filled with provision. I want purpose. I want purpose. I don't want to gamble my life away. 
I want to get before the throne of God and say, you get what you gave to me. I used it all up. I poured it all out. There was nothing I restrained or kept back. What you purposed for me to do, I did it all, Lord. I want to be able to say that. I want to be able to say, God, there was not. I broke the alabaster box, and I poured it at your feet. And everything that you conditioned and prepared me to do, I did it because you filled me with purpose. His word is filled with purpose. He is not, you know, a haphazard God. He is not a whimsical God. He is not a fly-by-the-seat-of-his-pants kind of God. He is a very precise God. He is a very detailed God. From the moment he made the temple, in the moment he made you, to the moment he had a plan of salvation, God had a purpose and a plan. He has a purpose and a plan for you. And he's called you to be contagious. I am filled and you are filled with the promises of God that are yes and amen. They are sealed by Jesus who cannot lie and whose word does not return void. I am filled with promise. I learned that in preschool. I learned that in Sunday school. I am a promise with a capital P. I am a promise. Hallelujah. And I have a promise down inside of me. I have a promise of joy. I have a promise of peace. I have a promise of hope. I have a promise of grace. I have a promise of mercy. I have a promise of redemption. I have a promise of restoration. I have a promise of breakthrough. I have a promise that comes from a God who cannot break his promise. Some of you have been raised by daddies who said, I'll show up and never showed up. Some of you have been married to husbands and wives and, and been in relationships that promised to do things and didn't deliver. Let me tell you, you serve a God who delivers every single time. He might not deliver on your time frame, but he will deliver in the time frame of his doing. If you willingly accept indefinite, if you wait upon the Lord, his promises will be fulfilled. What message? This was the message they were preaching. They were preaching the word. Some churches today, they aren't preaching the word. They're preaching an agenda. They're preaching political correctness. They're not preaching the word. This is a church that preaches the word. You don't know how blessed you are to be in a church that preaches the word. What is your message? What are you preaching? When the people look at you and the people in your lives, what are they? Are they seeing fear? Because my words, God, does not give me the spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. So that is not, that, that is not a word you should be preaching. That is not a message you should be sending. Are you complaining? I'm sick of wearing these masks. Yes, I'm sick of them. I have to. I wear, I wear one of those face shields. I got to clean it off all the time. I almost need like one of those little windshield wipers on the front of it. I, I accidentally drink my drink with it on. I got lipstick marks all over it. I, I, but I, and it stinks. I feel like Darth Vader. Like I hear my voice echoing back to me. But I do it without complaining. Because God says to do all things without complaining. As unto the Lord. Are you complaining in this season? Are you finding where God is in it? Because I'm going to tell you, God is in everything. God is in this season. There's no season God steps out of. There's no season that he says, I'm going to take a time out. This is your season. I'm going to step back. He is in every single season. We are not to complain. If we are going to be the message the world needs to hear, we should be the last group that should ever complain. 
give. He says, praise me in all things. He doesn't say praise me just in 2019 and 2021. He says, praise me at all times. And let me tell you, you cannot have praise and complaining coming out of the same fountain. It's like water. It's like clear water and salt water. It don't mix. Can't happen. So get that praise flowing. Maybe your message is unforgiveness. Maybe you are so angry about something that happened in the past and you can't get past it. And your message that people keep hearing is unforgiveness. Unforgiveness. Your volume will never exceed your character. What I mean by that, your character is preaching before your mouth ever starts speaking. Your message, what message are we sending the world? The world needs a message. They need a message right now. They need to know that there's hope. They need to know that they can have peace in a storm. They need to know that joy is its different from happiness. Happiness is what is happening to you. Joy is a gift that comes from the Holy Spirit that cannot be duplicated, replicated, or in the, it, it is his. It's a gift. What message are you preaching? That word, the word that they were speaking, this is the part I love, they weren't speaking it quietly. It says in the word, it rang out, which was a Greek word that we get the word echo from. I'm going to pronounce it all wrong. See, I'm just speaking in tongues. See? <laughs> I don't know. How, I'm not, I took Latin in high school, and obviously I dropped out. Can you tell? <laughs> language we don't need it um but it, it's where we get the word echo and what happens with an echo guys is it goes and you hear it it comes back it keeps coming back they say that that god's word keeps creating that when he spoke it keeps creating and scientists say that universes are still creating they're still creating and i have to tell them that's because his word rang out and his word keeps going and it doesn't come back void. And universes are still creating because my God just had to speak a word and it rang out. The word universe means one song. And they say the stars are singing. Why? Because he spoke a word and it rang out and the universe is praising him. And the universe is glorifying him today. And they're exalting him because his word ring out is his word ringing out in you and is it ringing out everywhere it says their word was ringing out everywhere they were strategically positioned i told you that this city of thessalonica was strategically positioned in this world in the mediterranean world you are strategically positioned. I don't know where you work. I don't know who you're married to. I don't know what family you are, you are, you are a part of. If this is your church or not your church, you are strategically positioned. You are strategically positioned to let the word of God ring out of you. I don't want to just reach my neighbor. I want to reach my neighborhood. I don't want to reach just my coworker. I want to reach my whole school. I want to reach my whole county. I don't want to just reach one person. I want to reach as many people as I can with the word of God. I want it to ring out of me every chance that I get. I don't want to be quiet about it. I don't want to be silent about it. I don't want to be ashamed about it. I want his word to ring out of me. 
I want to reach. I want you to reach. I want us to be contagious. My teaching philosophy, anytime I've been interviewed for a job, and at the bottom of my sign-off on my signature when I send emails is something I have clinged to my entire teaching career. It was uh, a quote by Theodore Roosevelt. They don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. You cannot preach the word in a way that is going to beat people down. You've got to love them first. Your word and your message has to be matched with the love of God. I would never reach this young girl at my work if I was constantly, constantly beating her up with this instead of letting my life be a reflection of Jesus Christ. My heart is to reach her. My heart is to reach more because I know I am strategically positioned where I am. And last year, they, they, they tried to take my job away from me, and we went through a season, and my whole thought was, God, wherever, wherever I'm supposed to be, wherever I am, that's where I'm supposed to be. And if I'm going to lose this job, it is in your will. But guess what? He strategically placed me back there because there's somebody that I'm supposed to be reaching. There is somebody that God has in your life that you are supposed to be reaching. Are you reaching them with your message? What message are you sending out? The next thing this church taught me in Thessalonica was to have a contagious testimony. Verse 9. For they themselves report how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God. When confronted with the truth of the gospel, they repented and believed. We have idols in our own life, whether we want to acknowledge them or not. Idols are a thing still. They might not be a statue. They might not be a, a temple like the Parthenon at this time in history. But you and I have idols let me tell you what happened in this season is God pulled down every idol that this country had exalted. Sports was an idol, he shut it down. Movies were an idol, he shut it down. Everything, every person and everything that we put up on a pedestal, he says there's a season, I'm pulling it down because I need you to get your focus off the idols. Money was an idol, he sat you behind home. You know what God was doing, he's saying, wake up! I will not have another God in my presence. The word of God says that he should not have anyone before him. Let me tell you right now, nobody can go before him. Nobody, no God can stand above him. When he said that, he said there should be a not one in my presence, not above me, in my presence before me, because I am king and king alone. And if you're going to put a, a God in my presence, I'm going to tear it down. Like the time when they brought the ark into, in the, uh, to Dagar, I believe it was, Dagar kept falling over into the presence of God. You and I have got to acknowledge the idols in our life. I guarantee you there's more than what they had. They had 25 gods. I guarantee you in America we have more than that. We are, we are a Babylon. We are a Babylon. And if we are not careful, we are going to get pulled into exile. What is your testimony? Are you repenting and believing? Or are you staying in put and continue to turn yourself to the idols in your life? 
There needs to be a turning from and a turning to. That is repentance. There needs to be a turning from and a turning to. That is the repentance. Some of you are still fixated on the idol in your life. Some of you it's your own children. I went there. I said that. We are. We live in a society where we worship our children. I see it every day dealing with parents. Their kids can do no wrong. My kids always been on a roll. They should still be on. We worship our kids. We run back and forth between sports here and there and having them in a gazillion activities, but no time for church because we worship our children. Let me tell you, the season is coming where God is going to say enough is enough. And it is upon us in this season where he has slowed us down and he pulled away all those distractions. Your kids couldn't play basketball. Your kids couldn't play baseball. You couldn't. And he said, sit down and listen up. There needs to be a turning and a repenting back to me. Consistently inconsistent undermines the authenticity of your testimony. If you are consistently inconsistent in your walk with God, the authenticity of your testimony is being compromised. If you are in church, and you probably say this too, Pastor, if you're a CEO, Christmas and Easter only, you don't have a testimony. I hate to tell you, there's no testimony there. If you wishy-washy in church, my mom calls it wishy-washy. Got a bunch of wishy-washy Christians. Some of you are double dippers. You double, you dipping in the world and you dipping in the church. There's no testimony. You double dippers. There's no testimony. There's hypocrisy. That's what you got, and that's what that's what you're teaching the world. That's what the world's looking at, and that's what they're seeing, and they're confused on what, 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 what where, where, where's the gospel here? Where's the truth here? I'm confused. And at the same time, you got the world coming in and saying sin is not sin anymore. And coming in and saying this is acceptable and we decree this is this is the way. And now it's infiltrated the churches. So some of the churches don't aren't preaching the truth. We need to have a testimony. Philippians 3 says, not that I've already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of what Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Jesus Christ. My testimony pushes me on. I am the I am the result of a woman who prayed. I am of a result of a mother who had a contagious message. I am the result of a mother who had a contagious testimony. I have a I am the result of a mother who had left a contagious example. My father died when I was six. He left my mother who could not drive and had a seventh grade education to raise five of her eight kids. And she did it all on faith. I would watch her go to the mailbox and she would say, my hands are itching. And she would go and somebody would bless her with money. And every time she would sow her seed and she would plant a seed, she would put widow's mite on and implant whatever she could. I would watch her walk through our neighborhood with drugs, dealers everywhere, and they would part the way for her, and they called her the joyful widow. She would open up her window, and she would put her ju- her, her jam box, her jukebox thing in the window, and throw in some R.W. Shawbuck, and I was so embarrassed of her at that time. I remember one time she, someone stole my bike, and she stood on the porch in, the, in our government housing, and she said, if my bike 
bike isn't back on this porch, by 5 o'clock the Holy Spirit is coming after you. I promise you that bike was there at, at 4.49. Because my mother left a message. She preached a message everywhere she went. She didn't have a college degree. She didn't have a doctorate. She was not a preacher, but she preached the word because the message was in her, and she wanted to make sure anybody who came in contact with her got it. When life pressured her and life squeezed her, Jesus came out. It's Jesus. She was contagious because of what was in her. Are you contagious this morning? I want to tell you there is no such thing as a contagious, asystematic Christian. If you don't have the symptoms, you are not contagious. If people can't see the truth being bled out in your life, if they can't see the fruits of God in your life, if they can't see your walk and your talk lining up, you are not contagious. The world is looking at you and scratching their head wondering, where's the truth? I don't know about you, but I want to be contagious. I'm not talking flesh-eating, virus-contagious. I'm talking the laughter of the Holy Spirit-contagious. I'm talking joy-contagious. I'm talking faith-contagious. Religion is not contagious. Relationship is. Religion is never going to be contagious. Relationship is if our worship team wants to come up, I want to tell you that praise is contagious. If you're here, if you can, if not, no big deal. Praise is contagious. Maybe you've been in a, a season and you're reflecting and you've listened to what the Word of God talked about and you self-examine. You should always be using this word to self-examine your life. My message hasn't been contagious lately. My testimony I've, I've let it, I've stopped sharing what God does. Testimonies don't have to be these outrageous things. They're great when they are. Testimonies can be so simple as, hey, you know what God did for me today? He, he put a Starbucks card on my, my door. I was having a really, and he used an atheist to do it. My God is good. Little things like that. Have you stopped testifying? Have you stopped sharing? Have you stopped witnessing to the Lord of God? I want us this morning to actually stand to your feet. And I can only think of the best way to stir up that contagion in you. To get that contagious spirit going. For me, it's always been worship. For me, is it's stirring up. Maybe there's been something clogged. Clogging that contagious. One of the things that a lot of mandates, Kenan has a lot of pastor friends in California. Please be paying for your pastors in California. One of the things that they've done to spread the contagion, even though the the bars are open and the and the what do we the casinos and strip clubs is close the churches and mask them and say you can't praise because singing is contagious and they're right. It is. Praise is contagious and it does something to us when we're praising him and it's about him it reminds us of all the things he did for us and we begin to testify to ourselves man he has been good 
because we forget we have selective amnesia we forget how good he is but when you worship him and you praise him and you glorify him he will bring back to remembrance everything he's done for you and you will get a Miriam spirit inside of you and you begin to worship and you will begin to glorify and then you become contagious and you'll watch the Holy Spirit just move through this room because your praise is contagious hallelujah if you want to come up if you want prayer while they're worshiping welcome come on up pastor and i will pray for you maybe you are in a season where you have isolated and quarantined yourself and god's saying i need you to get contagious i need you not to be ashamed to testify i need you not to be ashamed to share the word i need you not to be ashamed to be a living epistle because the world the world needs you this morning hallelujah hallelujah father god we worship father god we praise we're gonna worship i want to see a contagious praise he deserves a contagious praise
said no, and I can't wait to get to her. Because she said, you know what? If I thought God would do something for me, she called me Layla, though. She said, you know, Layla, if I thought God would do something for me, I'd put my coat on backwards and wear it that way. I loved her so much. She was missing her index finger. And she could hop and she'd just shake this little puss of a finger. She worked for American Standard. If your shank is more than 50 years old, she probably made it. But she said, if God will bless me, I'll do anything. And she said, I put my coat on backwards to, to seek the Lord. I, I don't care. I don't mind if I look like a fool. Let me tell you something. The Bible says that God will take the foolish things to confirm the wise. Now, I'm Pentecostal. Surprise. But I sense that we're going to pray the sinner's prayer together, okay? If you want to recommit or commit your life for the third time, if you want to do something that looks really foolish to our co-workers, and I don't get it, because you're God anyway, we're not a bad person. We're blinded from the best people in the world. Because he was one third of us that I needed to get saved. Saved from what? People say we didn't save from. You know what you've been doing. If you have the love of the Lord, I don't care if you're an open sin or not. If you don't say the Lord is my Savior and the Lord, saved. We're not condemning you. We want you to join the family once in life. So if you want to join this crazy band of ragamuffins, I'm I'm aging myself now talking about ragamuffin. We're going to pray. I want you to pray with me. I'm going to say it. You'll repeat me. And then you're going to be brave. If you prayed that prayer, we committed your life. I'm going to say, if you, I'm going to be like Pastor. If you prayed that prayer and meant it from your heart, throw your hand up and we're going to celebrate together, okay? We're going to give you a book. You can read it. But let me tell you something. The Lord sent you here today. If He helped you, as my mom and dad said, if He got you by the hair of the head and took you out of bed and stuck you in the seat, God brought you here today. Or if your friend made you come, your kid made you said, Oh, I want to get a kiss. Well, we probably have to name just with a little thing and voice so no one feels you're the only one saying it. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, I believe in Jesus. I'm a sinner, but I want to be saved. I believe that Jesus has taken away my sins. I believe that Jesus died. And I believe that Jesus rose again. And I believe that Jesus wasn't alive. He is alive. And he is my Savior, ready? I receive him as Lord. I am saved. And I'm going to heaven with all the people in this room. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. In Jesus' name, if I shout, amen. Here we go. Here we go. I'm going to ask you. Just keep it up until we say it. If you if you prayed that prayer, if you if you recommitted your life or accepted the Lord as your Savior right now, come on, throw your hand up and tell me. We got one. That's good. Anybody else? 
say. Um, I, the candy, which I think I said it, but that, she, go ahead, she said you can have two little cuppies. We didn't know how vicious y'all would get, but y'all been in Pentecostal church now. Um, also, too, we're going to have Kathy pray a closing prayer here and let the Lord use her in a mighty way. She's going to be preaching away next Sunday. Is that just morning or is there an evening? Morning. Just the morning. Yeah. Um, but she's going to be preaching away next week. And I'll get the name of it more posted. But uh, we're going to let Kathy pray the closing prayer and then uh, let this band play us out of here. Be blessed. Go ahead, Kathy. Let's pray. Praise the Lord. Pastor Stephanie, thank you so much. What a mighty word. What a mighty word. Timely word. God is always on time, isn't he? He's always on time. Ladies, let's pray. Father, we thank you, God, for this day. We thank you for this opportunity to be in your house, God, to hear your word, Lord. We should never take that for granted, God. Lord, I just cannot wait to see the things that you are going to do in the lives of these women, God. Lord, you're calling us out. You're calling us to be contagious, God. Lord, to affect this world that's all around us, God. Holy Spirit, anoint us and use us, God. In us, we are nothing, but with you, we can do all things, God. Lord, I just pray that you seal this word on our minds and in our hearts, God. Anoint Pastor Kenyon as he brings the word tomorrow, God. Lord, help every person to be here that's meant to be here tomorrow, God. We're anticipating you, God. We praise you and we thank you, God, for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen.
Yeah, it gives me time to find it. No, I remember where it was. Yeah. Right there. That's that's a, oh, that's song. exactly what I did. And I was like, all right, this is it. Let's go. <laughs> Song's on my server. No, do it again. I'm the leader. <laughs> again. Again. Yeah, here, here, here. <laughs> That thing would have been dead tomorrow.